Ladies and gentlemen, hello again and welcome back to Don't Worry About the Government. My name is Chris Novembrino. For those of you trying to watch this episode on YouTube, I apologize for the name placards. I, I might try to start video at some point during this recording process, but my computer is feebly struggling and limping along and trying to make its way uh, into the year 2022, but uh, I, I'm beginning to have my doubts. William, joining me on the show today is William West. How are you today, William? Doing pretty well. Uh, enjoying uh, the holidays. We actually have really nice weather here, so I mean, it's not Christmas weather, but it's, you know, like 70 degrees, so it's actually quite nice. Yeah, I took Shadow for a walk on Christmas. It was like 77 degrees when we went outside. Uh, very pleasant. No need for a jacket. No need for... I, I'm wearing t-shirt and shorts right now, and I have the windows open in my apartment. Uh, if If there is going to be a winter this year in Texas, it's going to be... I guess a week and a half in January. I it, like it. it yeah, we get that sometimes. We get like a cold spell around MLK Day. Yeah, I, I think that's honestly what we're looking at here. Uh, we had a couple of nights where it got down into like the 40s, and otherwise, it's been very, very mild. Not unpleasant, but for this time of year, sort of unsettling to say the least. Uh, that's not what we're really here to talk about, although I guess it's sort of like in fitting with a broader theme of pessimism and uh, the non-passage of Build Back Better. I guess I can use it as a segue here. Uh, sort of the main topic on the show today is the apparent defeat of Build Back Better. Is that fair to say? Yeah, I don't think there was ever going to get anywhere to begin with. I was never very hopeful. Uh, after the decoupling occurred, it seemed to me extraordinarily unlikely that Build Back Better was actually going to pass because there just did not seem to be anything to bring 50 votes to the table in the Senate. Whether you think Manchin and Cinema are stalking horses for other Democrats or you think that Mansion and cinema are two people with two separate agendas, or you think some combination of the the two potential things. Just not Democrats at all. I just I don't view them as Democrats. Like, yeah, no, right, right. Most people do. Yeah. So, I I think if that where you're starting from, the decoupling was the official death of Build Back Better, and everything else from here has been academic and a bit of an insult to your intelligence because you've seen this coming all along. But I do think there are some newsworthy and actually kind of surprising moments in this, in a way. I guess that it's that Manchin has chosen this occasion, this is my opinion at least, to yeah. go mask off here. And what I mean by that is that Manchin made a very clear and calculated choice in the way he chose to kill this bill. He waited until Christmas when he knew that there'd be zero momentum to try to salvage this or cobble it together just kill it dead before everyone goes home so that the thing stays dead and then it can't get relaunched like when the senate reconvenes on the other side because generally yeah. these things stay dead in that way more notably though 
he chose to do this killing of the bill on Fox News without giving Joe Biden any heads up. And I think that decision is the last piece of evidence one really needs for Joe Manchin's endgame here, which I believe is a party defection. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I was seeing that from a mile away. I didn't think by the time the midterms came around, I figured he was going to run as a Republican. Yeah, I, I don't think people talked about it that much, but no, uh, it's it's I fascinating. Uh, so the reason I put together so much on this argument is not because I thought you would disagree with me, but because uh, this is a topic I talk about a lot on the Twitter account, and I get a lot of blowback from from usually rando resistance-oriented accounts. Like, I literally had a Hillary Clinton avatar arguing with me that Joe Manchin would never change parties. Uh, and Why would it matter, though? Like, why is that even, like, something worth defending? I I was thinking about that, too. Like, there's this, like, as a Democrat... Why is it important for you to feel like Joe Manchin's actually loyal to the party, despite evidence to the contrary? I, I, I'm with you. I, I, that part legitimately flummoxes me. Yeah. Um, uh, the, the argument this person gave me was Joe Manchin likes being in the spotlight. He likes being in the limelight. And if he changes parties, he won't be in the limelight which I think is ultimately wrong because like if he changes parties, he would be doing so not like, you know, if he did so, he would be doing so in a context where his vote and his defection is extremely relevant. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be doing so. It would give him a little boost to what might be like his, one of his last reelections or, you know, last little push. The guy's only in his mid sixties. Oh, he's younger than my dad. Yeah, yeah, he's only in his mid sixties. These senators like to hang around often to their eighties, and he's given no indication whatsoever he wants to retire. Which I think is the other big piece of evidence that this guy is going to defect. And and I think that's such a strong piece of evidence because we'll get into the numbers here in a minute. But um, just to kind of finish up, what some of the resistance sort of defenses for why Manchin is never going to defect and why I'm a dumb idiot. The other one is that Manchin voted for impeachment and also that Manchin voted uh, voted against Amy Coney Barrett. Now, what's interesting is when they bring that up, they ignore a couple of actually a few key votes. One, he voted for Brett Kavanaugh. Two, he voted for Neil Gorsuch. Three, he voted to put Amy Coney Barrett onto the circuit court when she was clearly being groomed and fast-tracked to be moved onto the Supreme Court. And also, during that nomination process, he was the Democratic senator to break ranks and meet with Amy Coney Barrett to give her legitimacy and the veneer of normalcy and the veneer of bipartisanship during what was like a very, very divisive 
process. No, he didn't vote for her in the end, but he voted for two out of three. And as the philosopher Meatloaf said, two out of three ain't bad. Well, and two out of three is still going to overturn uh, Roe and other things. I, I mean, there's like that. And then, like, there's just this... like she, at that point, it's like, I don't even think it really mattered that much. There, there's also like the, the axiom of what have you done for me lately? And the other axiom that Democrats love heretics and Republicans love converts. And when Manchin changes parties, especially if he leaves the party in the way he appears to be doing, which is he sabotaged Joe Biden's signature policy agenda. And by signature policy agenda, I mean it is a bill. That I think is looking a- back, though, Afghanistan is going to be pretty big. I was thinking about this the other day, but you, you are correct. Like, this is a pretty massive, uh, his big, it's his biggest bill by far. Yeah, it's got his name on it. It's the campaign slogan. Mansions started this conversion story because it's all what have you done for me lately, right? In in addition to we love a convert. He starts this conversion story by sabotaging Joe Biden's signature piece of legislation, Build Back Better. And what's coming down the pike next in terms of the next big Senate debate now that Build Back Better is dead? Probably something involving the voting rights bill, but that's going to really be a holdover until Breyer retires. And the Democrats know that they kind of need to force the issue on Breyer retiring now because as bad as the vote counting looks right now and the votes don't look good in the Senate right now, it's going to be even worse after the midterms. And they know that. And they know that like McConnell's never actually going to allow the Democrats to confirm like a meaningfully good judge onto the Supreme Court. Like any chance for court reform basically would have to occur now and really can only occur within the purview of what Joe Manchin's going to allow for. And this is where I think Mitch McConnell's timing of the offer of you could keep your committee chairs, Joe, if you changed parties, is going to be a very, very attractive carrot for the sabotaging of the nomination for the replacement for Breyer. And that's where I think Manchin is heading. I think like his grand defection, where he's going to finally stick the knife in the back of the party, is going to be on this Breyer nomination. It's, It's hard to see a scenario where Manchin would support a liberal justice going on the Supreme Court, especially given the fact that there's just not a way forward for him as a statewide Democrat in West Virginia. Yeah. Well, un- unless it just continues to be the same where people will just keep voting for him in West Virginia. I, I, I think there's a lot of evidence to suggest that it's not going to keep being the same. So we'll start off with this article from the AP here. The red wave that has swept West Virginia over the past decade now includes historic gains in Republican voter registration numbers, according to figures released on Thursday. This is from a few months ago. There are now about 448,900 registered Republicans, or about 36.8% of all registered voters in West Virginia. And that compares to about 444,600 registered Democrats, or about 365 It's an exciting day for the West Virginia Republican Party, said Roman Stauffer, the state Republican Party's acting chairman in a statement. In addition, 22.6 had no party affiliation. The rest were affiliated with some 
minor political party. According to the GOP, 11 counties switched from Democrat to Republican pluralities in 2020, and 24 of the 55 counties are now Republican majority or plurality. Berkeley County saw an increase of 3,600 or 3,700 Republican voters, the most in the state, the statement said. In November, Shelley Moore Capito became the first Republican from West Virginia re-elected to the Senate since 1907. Or 1907, Attorney General Patrick Morrissey, who was actually a one-time opponent of Joe Manchin, won his third term in November and is the first Republican Attorney General to hold the position since 1933. Democratic voter registration numbers in West Virginia have been dropping over the past decade, buoyed by criticism of two-term President Barack Obama's energy policies in Coleridge, West Virginia. In 2014, registered Democrats in West Virginia fell below 50% for the first time since 1932. So since 2014, they went from 50% to 36.5%. Yeah. they. Well, the, the it's the transition from the old Dixiecrat sort of thing where people, older people who identified as Democrats but voted sort of on very conservative values. So, absolutely absolutely um and i think they're, they're dying so, off and so now you know, the young people i just identify as republican they're like no we're not democrats like we don't you know um also i think in a smaller state you can run as a personal brand a little bit more and like mansion yeah is probably able yeah, to do that. Yeah. yeah um i mean you can't go out and shake the hands of all four hundred thousand voters for you but at the same time Manchin only like like when he beat John Race in 2012, he got 60 percent of the vote. Uh, that was about 400,000 voters, just like 92 shy of 400,000 voters versus John Race, who got 240,000 voters. Uh, quick update, though, in 2018, he ran against that Patrick Morsey guy I mentioned, and he narrowly defeated that guy 49 percent to 46 percent with 290,000 voters for him versus Morrissey's 271,000 voters. So Morrissey picks up 31,000 Republican voters from the last time around. Meanwhile, Manchin, much more importantly, hemorrhages over 101,000 voters from the prior election. Now, granted, one was a presidential election. The other one was an off-year election. That matters. But what also matters is that like Donald Trump is extraordinarily like disgustingly popular in West Virginia. Uh, Trump had he won the state in West Virginia by 68.5 percent in 2016 and 68.6 percent in 2020. Uh, the second best statewide performance both times, only less than Wyoming. So insofar as this next election is a presidential election, it's actually probably bad news for Joe Manchin as the Democrat because Donald Trump is unbelievably disgustingly popular. And what Joe Manchin would have to do is run the most unbelievable ticket splitting campaign you've ever seen in your life. And right now you see absolutely nothing to suggest that he's doing that. Yeah, I think, well, the the counterpoint would be with Wyoming, I was just thinking when you mentioned that, uh, is that Liz Cheney is still successful there, despite Trump having such a large portion of the vote. 
Yes, but has she been primaried yet? No. Yeah, so we'll see. this. this yeah, I, I think the proof is still yet to be in the pudding with yeah. Liz Cheney. I mean, I, I here's the other big argument that I feel like the resistance accounts that I, I try to debate this with really poo-pooed, but I think it's a fairly strong one. In 2016, this guy, Jim Justice, was elected the governor of West Virginia. Same year as Donald Trump. Jim Justice, a Democrat, goes into office. He does. He manages to pull off the ticket split thing. Somehow wins as the Democrat, uh, and he gets into office. Seven months into office, Jim Justice does an unbelievably uncommon thing. He changes parties. And that makes Joe Manchin the last prominent Democratic office holder in the state. But I, I just yeah. keep going. The writing is on the wall here, people. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I, and if you don't agree with me, what, what I'd actually like to hear, feel free to send this email to chrisnovembrino at gmail.com. Like, I want to hear this. What is the argument for Joe Manchin remaining a democrat in terms of like his electoral path forward not well he would never make it as a republican because x y and z i think jim justice frankly sort of like blows up a lot of those arguments oh well jim justice was like a career democrat he was like against donald trump probably as early as 2015 right like like if you'd gotten jim yeah. justice's take on trump from 2015 i'm sure he didn't like him uh, I'm, I'm guessing that was his take and jim justice changes parties out of complete political expedience mid term mid there is no way to explain him changing parties in that fashion other than He's doing it to get reelected because he doesn't think he can get reelected as a Democrat in four years, which would be when he's when Trump's back on the ballot. Yeah, uh, it's not because like he had like I'm saying like it's not because he had some like emotional epiphany about like the Republican Party or something. All expedients and he'll be forgiven. They'll vote for him. They won't ask any questions like like he's not going to get primaried out like of existence. I mean. And, and, and have to give some like press conference where he's like, no, I really like Trump. I just, you know, I, I, I just didn't understand it at the time or something. The mansion thing's so easy, right? Like all he has to do is do a couple of campaign appearances with Joe Manchin. Trump, in this case, is the he. Trump just has to do a couple of campaign appearances with Joe Manchin and be like, Joe Manchin was so fantastic standing up to Joe Biden, sleepy Joe Biden, and his build back better. I would have called it build back worse because that's what it really was. And a lot of people were not being strong at that time. A lot of people were not being loyal at that time. Joe Manchin bravely stood up to his own party joe don't know how you did it so brave so tough he stood tough people he stood tough and he defeated build back better and and he saved us another seat on the supreme court nicely done joe we're gonna fill that one here in november like like that's all trump has to say yeah it, it, i mean 
the the reason that impression's not particularly funny is that I, I I'm not really trying to couch it in any jokes or anything. It's it's just we all know this to be true. Trump could say that, and his people would be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, Joe Manchin, good. We like Joe Manchin." Yeah, they're turning on him a little bit for his vaccines, but I don't think it's going to be like all of his base. Mm. It's a little on the vaccines, but you know what they'll do? They'll just go. They're making him say that. Yeah. Mm. No definition as to who the they is or anything like that, but I think that's really all they have to do is just go, oh, well, you know, they make Trump say that. He doesn't really believe that. Uh, I, I I do got to say, um, where I really share the frustration with like a lot of the people on the left is with this like wing of the party that tries to rationalize the failure of democratic leadership to get stuffed on like build back better let's not mince words about this even if this was not everything you wanted this piece of legislation to be like no it was not single payer no it was not student loan forgiveness no it was not marijuana legalization build back better was an important piece of policy that had a lot of good stuff in it all the good stuff that was in that broader infrastructure package particularly on the climate change front which again i'm talking to you today on december 27th with my windows open as i'm recording this episode letting the fresh air get in wishing it was maybe a degree or two cooler in here right now but not complaining too hard other than the fact that i'm saying all of this on december 27th when my apartment's like 74 degrees and fine um i i think that we need this climate change matter and more importantly i i think that this wing of the democratic party like you're familiar with rachel the doc bitikoffer right uh i don't know she's become very popular among that wing of the party um as a political strategist okay um but she also kind of had like a little peak moment. But she she honestly is articulating a viewpoint that a lot of people sort of hold, which is I realize progressives will hate that this, but pushing Build Back Better is distracting from saving democracy. And it doesn't matter if y'all get that shit passed, if in 11 months the GOP wins power and then uses it to seize permanent power because not a single program will ever actually happen. And... On one hand, I share her concern that the Republicans, when they win an election that delivers them majority control of either the elector or the executive branch or the legislative branch again, it's going to happen. Uh, I worry that the Republicans are going to really try to make sure that that election's the last election that they lose uh you know you know they win that election and they've never they're never going to lose another election again i could see them yeah. trying to do something like that but at the same time it can't be the only focus and and if that is your focus if passing a piece of legislation like that is your focus how do you do that without sculpting a piece of legislation that effectively prevents the Republican Party from ever winning office ever again. You know, I don't know. I don't think that the Voting Rights Act alone was going to prevent the 
gerrymandering and uh, right. So, so that's sort of my point is then the mail-in voting and then like the Republicans that. get back into office and they just repeal the Voting Rights Act. Yeah, uh, like it. It seems like you can use this argument to explain away not doing anything, and. Don't get me wrong, as someone who has spent the last year talking about the domestic terror attack on 1-6 and saying it preoccupies me, it does. I am really worried about this scenario that you essentially can't trust the Republicans to do a peaceful transition of power. Like, they literally have sort of proven themselves to not be capable of that, given the events of 1-6, and we're still ambivalent about being capable of that. They don't hold it as a point of pride, or maybe another way of putting it is they don't hold one six as a point of shame. They don't want to talk about it. They'd rather not have more of it, uh, but they don't say it's like bad. Yeah, and 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 so like I do worry that like we do need to quote unquote save democracy, but at the same time, like to your point, dude. That bill wasn't going to save democracy. Let's not kid ourselves. Like, I, I mean, if you're worried about that, then like, and, and I'm not saying you shouldn't be, you probably should be. Uh, you need to demand a lot more out of your Democratic politicians than what they've been giving you. Yeah, it doesn't feel like you can depend on them to actually come through with anything meaningful on a national level. Okay, so like this actually gives me sort of an open lane to talk about this. Like Joe Biden, it just like feels like this guy has already checked out. Yeah. And I'm not saying that as like a euphemism for him being dead or something. I'm saying well, like it feels like honestly, it kind of feels like both of them have checked out. Oh, both him and Harris? Yeah. Do okay, so a little bit jumping lance here. I, I am struck by the seeming disconnect between Biden's team and Harris's team. The, this thing where they had this appearance on, I believe, his Face the Nation. They both do interviews, and Biden is going to use that interview to come out and say that he's in favor of ending the filibuster to pass voting rights legislation. Uh, so in doing some sort of rule or carve out to pass voting rights, uh, making an exception on that. And he didn't tell Harris in advance of that interview. So she's hemming and hawing throughout the interview and Biden gets to take the lead. And I, I, it, it just doesn't seem like the guy's really in it. Yeah. I'm not. And I'm not even, I'm not making a mental faculty thing. Uh, I, I'm more like it doesn't seem like he really cares. I, I don't I, you know, I, I it's nice that he calls people on Christmas or whatever. And I'm not talking about let's go, Brandon. Um, like, like I, I mean, he does some of those other functions of a president, but he I mean, he doesn't seem animated by one six. Not in a serious way, other than like, hey, Jack, why can't we be nice to each other again, Jack? Um, yeah. Policy doesn't seem to really be his jam. And even Afghanistan, uh, the, the, that's foreign policy. That didn't seem to really be his jam either. I, I think some of this stuff 
is getting unfairly laid at his door on Afghanistan. Different topic, but like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, it just doesn't, it doesn't feel like he cares. And then, like, that's why I think the student loans stuff was sticking on him so bad. That's why yeah. I want the marijuana stuff to stick on him so bad. All this executive action stuff, and maybe the one silver lining in Mansion doing what he has done is that Mansion is sort of making legislative accomplishments impossible. And so that opens up the lane for Joe Biden to just do executive actions and try to like maybe advance some things that way. I think that's what everyone thought he was going to do was that these were going to be done via executive action. So I never thought that because that's what Liz Warren wanted. And Joe Biden made it very clear, like he didn't agree with that sort of stuff during the campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I do not like Joe Biden, but I refuse to let myself be betrayed by things the man never said he was going to be. Yeah. And, and granted, they're good things, and I would want him to be those good things, but but I, I again, refuse to feel betrayed. Like, if a man never promises me ice cream, um, I, I, I can't feel betrayed when he doesn't bring me ice cream. And Joe Biden never promised me ice cream. He, he, he literally just promised me the absence of dirt. Like, it'd be, you know, Sanders and Warren were promising ice cream. Um, Trump was dirt. And Joe Biden was like, I, I won't be dirt. And that sucks because it's nothing. Like, like, yeah, it's not dirt, but it's also nothing. It's like, you know, it's not, not a thing. Um, but I can't let myself be shocked by it. Um, the one, my one hope here is that three years is an unbelievably long time to do nothing. Yeah. And Manchin's going to make it impossible for him to do anything. So either he's going to have to do Kabuki for the next three years. And if he does that, he could very well lose to Trump. God help us. But I tend to think he won't do that. I tend to think what he'll end up having to do is do executive action. Lots of them. Yeah. Um, what, where are you at in terms of Biden getting reelected? I know it's unbelievably early, but like it seems to be a fun topic of conversation for people. I just don't I don't think that. I don't think that he will. Um, I don't know who. The, I don't know if he'll be the Democrat nominee or not. Okay, I was, that's what I was going to say. Like, are you saying that based on the premise that you just don't think he'll be running in the twenty twenty four election? Right. Yeah. I, I don't. I don't know that that he's gonna. Yeah. I don't know. I don't really see it that he's gonna run. I um, yeah. I also have my doubts. Um. It. He's someone's going to try to run, but I don't think that's going to go anywhere. So on that front, let's get to our last topic, because I think it's going to be low key, an extremely relevant story. It's a super under the radar story. Excuse me. As a burp, that was not so under the radar. Um, this is Democrats souring on the bid to ditch the first in the nation states. 
So less than a year ago, there's a lot of chatter about getting rid of Iowa and New Hampshire as the first in the party's presidential primary, Um, in part because they are overwhelmingly white and also in part kind of hilariously because they didn't vote for Joe Biden. It's the fact that people other than Joe Biden won those states that uh, is actually putting them more on the chopping block here. However, after a lot of meetings towards the end of the year here and an interview done with more than two dozen Democratic National Committee members, uh, there's real skepticism that there's actually going to be any changes to Iowa or New Hampshire as the first in the nation primaries with the original belief here, the current belief among members being that, I'll read the quote, why not kick the can down the road to 2028 when you're presumably going to have an open White House? I don't know that, I don't know that you're going to have an open White House in 2028. Uh, I think even if you think Joe Biden is winning re-election. Scamble, but like incumbency counts for a lot. He's running against Donald Trump. Donald Trump's not an X factor. He's a known quantity. I I think Trump getting back into office, people are understating the difficulty he is going to have in this third run. Uh, However, let's suppose... Joe Biden prevails in this encounter with with Donald Trump here and gains re-election. At that point, he will be 84 years old. 84. And people, it's just you, me, William. We're just here. We're here. Steven's here in spirit. Uh, he was with me earlier, apparently. Um, it's, it's, just, it's just the four of us. Ghost of Steven, he counts. Joe Biden's not the Joe Biden of like 1995 and you know it and I know it and like we all know it like and I'm talking about Joe Biden who's like 55 or 56 years old at that point he's not that guy anymore he's more than a few ppm slower than that I think we all know that And, and when you watch that let's go Brandon thing part of you wants to believe that Joe Biden was just playing it cool and uh, he was just completely no selling the let's go Brandon thing. But part of you also suspects that like Joe Biden's so oblivious that he doesn't actually know what let's go Brandon is and that Jill knew, which is why she winced. But the reason Biden didn't register anything is because like he doesn't quite know what's going on because they're kind of managing him through the day to day thing. Party of feels one way and party of feels another way. And that's OK. It's just it's just the four of us. It's me. William, you, and the ghost of Stephen. Like, we're all here, but we, we need to be real about this. 84 years old. We're, that's Joe Biden at 80. We're talking about 84. Do you really think this guy is going to the end of the second term? Really? And, 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 and if they pull that off with him, it is going to be a disgusting mockery of the presidency for the final two and a half years. He is going to be so managed and so curated. It's going to be like weekend at Bernie's. 
Yeah. It's going to be sad. It's going to be embarrassing for the country. Not the way Trump was, but in the fact that, like, we're essentially moving around a statue and pretending it's a capable person. Like, it, it, it yeah. Like, I, I really have a hard time seeing him finishing the second term. So that brings me back to this quote of why not kick it down to the road to 28 when you're presumably going to have an open white house, because that presumption's ridiculous. It's a ridiculous presumption. You're either going to have Kamala Harris as the first term president running for reelection, or you're not going to have the white house at all. So it's going to be an open road to the white house because you're going to be the one on the trail and uh, the Republicans are going to already have the House. Those those are really the most likely scenarios here. So I worry for Harris, not necessarily for me or like broadly speaking, but like for Harris, you got to be worried that Iowa and New Hampshire end up kicking your ass here in this next round of primaries. I don't know who that who that person of primary Harris is going to be. Iowa and New Hampshire are sort of tailor-made to not be good for AOC. But, I mean, let's just hypothetically toss out John Fetterman running against Harris in both those states. I think she loses in both of the states. I don't think I don't think she has any. Like, I think she, the peak of her national draw was right at the 2020 election. Oh, dude, I mean. Masterstroke of her career was selling high, cashing out of the Republican or out of the Democratic primary and and endorsing Joe Biden when no one else was. Masterstroke of her career. But you're right. Like, that's it. Like, like she's got nowhere else to go. Um, Did you see her appearance on Charlemagne the God show? I didn't watch it because I just didn't want to cringe. Yeah. Um, I read about it. I just I didn't actually watch it because I just didn't want to deal with it i mean i'm i'm watching it just because like in in a way dude i i have like a morbid curiosity for like harris's inability to launch herself as a personality it it is really interesting to see uh she just really struggles and in this interview with charlamagne the god like okay charlamagne actually tosses up what should be a fairly easy one for Harris to smack down, which is like, who's the real president, Joe Manchin or Joe Biden? Um, And Harris, like, would have done all right if she didn't pivot into, now you sound like one of those Republicans, which is not actually the whole point of that criticism or whatever. Like, I, I just, she's just not sticking the landing in any of these talking points and she i i worry about her as a nominee um i think that like if she's running against trump i think she ends up like finding herself five points down to trump and being completely confused how it's happening yeah uh i think it'd be more than that uh, yeah i mean maybe maybe i you're right you're right it could be um, I could see her saying something that makes people really hate her. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm looking at this story here of Iowa and New Hampshire remaining in place and going, this is bad news. And so 
I know we're over here fantasizing about maybe a progressive could run against Kamala Harris. I just want to like put a little bit of cold water on all of this. If New Hampshire and Iowa are the path forward, you know who this really advantages? A guy like Tim Ryan or Seth Moulton, someone who wants to run to the yeah. center of Kamala Harris. So like if your complaint is that Kamala Harris is not sufficiently far left, the bad news here is that like Tim Ryan or Seth Moulton or some weird hybrid of those two guys, Tim Moulton, um, like that person will be able to sail through Iowa and New Hampshire and might be white enough to pass in South Carolina and like get that vote too. Um, and, and enough to stop the Clyburn coalition from saving Kamala's bacon from the fire. Yeah, I I still don't see it. I don't know. Yeah, that's a long shot. But okay, here's the thing with that, dude. I don't see Kamala Harris getting bumped off. But yeah. the historical trend is any any presidential like like it, it, like a VP like this or a sitting president, which I guess Harris, you'd almost have to kind of look at like almost like a sitting president in this scenario. Um, getting like facing serious primary friction like this it's a bad portent for the general election yeah like bill bradley yeah Yeah. bill bradley was not like a good thing for al gore yeah um yeah and i i think that like that's what harris has to worry about It, it it looks bad because, like, I mean, on the other side of the aisle, guess who's going to win every single primary and run the table and have, like, white-hot heat going into 2024? I guess Trump. Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah. No, he it, probably ha- will. it has to be him. Yeah. I, I who Who's going to beat Trump in any of these primaries? No, none of the Republicans. Who's even positioning themselves to actually beat Trump? Yeah. This, they're positioning themselves in case Trump doesn't run. You can name a lot of people like that. Yeah. You do Ron, 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 and Ted Cruz and all those people. But, like, uh, it, it, I, none of them are going, we got to stop this Trumpism thing. Trumpism went too far on January 6th. We need a new way forward. Like, Liz Cheney, if she runs for president, she can get her ass handed to her. Well, actually, yeah, she's not going to do that. She's not going to do that, right. Not, not, I mean, like, Kinzinger might do it as, like, a lark, but, like, he will also get routed effortlessly. Um, he might just do it to get on a debate stage to, you know, say his little zinger at Donald Trump, and then Trump will punk him really badly. Um, I, I, I don't see anyone actually beating Trump, and I actually see politicians being scared of running against Trump for fear of being like basically labeled as a democratic plant and having like resentments just like lingering throughout their career. So if you have on one channel, Trump just, I mean, winning, and he will say this, he'll say this the whole way down. I'm winning even more by even larger percentages than we did the first time. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah he's going to be he's going to be playing up this momentum thing like to the hilt 
Well, like it won't even it won't even matter if he actually does win or not. I mean, he might just be able to take off. I don't know. I mean, right, right, like, yeah. You know, uh, I mean, did he win the? Did he even? He didn't win the popular vote the first time around. No, no, he lost the popular vote. He's never won the popular vote. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. Uh. I. I mean. I. I think. He might still take office. You're right. He, you know. Uh, and, and even. Even if he loses, if he loses in this fashion after routing in that Republican primary and the final run here, he's going to say that he had an incredible political career. Right. That that he, you know, basically won three Republican primaries with no opposition. More like, you know, like he after he broke the back of the party the first time around, they didn't even try to stop him. Um, they actually kneeled to him so badly that they shut down primaries. And then the third time around, like he routed Adam Kinzinger or whatever little scrub tried to like stand up to him briefly. And after doing that, uh, you know, he proceeded to win like literally all 50 states. I wouldn't be, I like legitimately wouldn't be surprised if he ran the table in all 50 states. Uh, for the uh, Republican, for yeah, the for, the Rucker, for the nominee, for the nomination. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, yeah, like, I, I mean, I think that that's a problem for Harris. That'll be a problem for Biden, too. A very white, hot Donald Trump. That said, I don't know, man. I don't know. Um, I do I have mean, my... Maybe Biden run just because they just keep everything moving. And like, I, I mean, the, 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 move, the move here to me seems to be if you're the Democrats. Like, this is a pretty weak field position. But the best move to me seems to be you run Biden again, shadow Biden campaign, shadow reelect campaign. Don't change horses in midstream. And then <laughs> you fucking change horses. And and Kamala Harris takes over like six months into the next term. Yeah. Um, I, I, that's the move. Uh, you can't possibly. It, it's you, It's not. I, they can do it, but it's just hard to like morally conscience letting Joe Biden do eight years at his present state. But, you know, they might try to do it. But like, no, I, I think you just run Biden, reelect Biden and then switch it over to Harris. And it's shady and everyone will have resentment against the Democratic Party. And that's the way it'll be. Um, yeah. But but like uh, that's the move. Do you, is, do you see something else? Am I missing something? No, I, I honestly can't. I like I can't even think of who other candidates might be other than like the people we've already seen before. Right. I mean, you'd hope AOC, but it's just like hard to imagine a world where AOC like is able to do anything with Iowa, New Hampshire, and South Carolina as her launching point. Yeah. Like we we just we've seen how this we see how this works. Like. If you don't win in Iowa and New Hampshire, if you don't win in Iowa and New Hampshire, you're done. I mean, well, you got to South Carolina, like one of those three. Um, if you don't win in one of those three, you're toast. You can't do the Rudy Giuliani thing and hope you can hang on to Florida. You can't do some sort of like weird strategy and hope like maybe you'll win California or something like that. You have to win one of those three early states. And usually you need to win like two of those three early states. Um, and then usually it's sewn up by Florida. 
Um, so I, I, I don't know. I, I know we're getting, getting a little bit in circles here, but I, we haven't talked about that stuff yet, and I, I wanted to. Um, but that's what I got. If you've got a case for me, and not you, William, but like uh, the listener, have a case for me on Joe Manchin and how he stays in the Democratic Party and wins re-election in 2024, given the fact that he went from winning election in uh, 2012 with 60% of the vote to winning uh, election in 2016 or 2018 with 49% of the vote and, and just a just over 3% vote margin. If you got a path forward for Joe Manchin here, given the clear movement of the state, I'd love to hear it. You can tweet at me at DWATG. You can send me an email at chrisdombruno at gmail.com. Or you can, of course, subscribe to patreon.com slash DWATG. Buck a show is all I ask. $1 per audio offering here. And uh, just go and sub up to that. You can shoot me a message in the DMs there. And I, I do get back to everyone who messages me in the DMs. Um, any of those are ways you can hit me up and let me know how you're feeling about Joe Manchin and where he's going to be going forward. William, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, I don't. Uh, Th- then don't. No, not really anywhere. Then don't. Don't. don't then don't. <laughs> then don't. Okay, whatever. That's fine. At DWATG, you can just tell me. And then I'll tell William. That's the way it used to be. That's the way it used to be when when we were we were normal people and we lived, right. when we lived free. Um, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all these places. The YouTube channel. Sub up to all these things. I need to like upgrade my computer here. So I'm I'm gonna look at MacBook Pro prices now. Uh, I want to thank you all so much for listening. And until the next one. Bye bye. Bye bye. bye. bye.